Getting stuck in business is more common than you'd think. Businesses peak or plateau, people get stuck in roles and they don't progress. People achieve small goals, but they don't set new ones. This week my guest is Beverly Sherritt, and Beverly's area of focus is helping people feel at home in their work and less stressed about high performance. And who doesn't need more of that? Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second to subscribe so you don't miss new shows. Plus, you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So, welcome along and let's meet Beverly. So this week I'm delighted to welcome Beverly Sherritt to the show. Uh, Beverly runs a company called Launchpad Associates. Beverly, do you want to tell us about what you do, who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yes. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Beverly Sherritt, as you've said, from the northeast of England, um, operating a business in a small place called Chesley Street, which is between Durham and Newcastle. Um, I run Launchpad Associates with my business partner, Joe Cameron, and we have a trading company of Launchpad Associates as well called Launchpad HR. Our strapline is where business and people come to take off. Basically, our whole ethos is around helping people and business to progress to the next level, whether that's through development programs, team dynamics, leadership, um, building confidence in individuals, working with organizational culture and behaviors and even organization design and then on the hr side we provide services to small to medium-sized businesses who aren't at the level that they can employ a hr person but again it's all about helping their business grow um, by making that first appointment and then having um, staffing issues um, to deal with through the HR resources. So there's a few places that I really want to speak to you about specifically. One is always for me going to be imposter syndrome. Anybody that has an interest in imposter syndrome is of interest to me because it's a big area for my clients. I think those people who are busy trying to build their business online in any way, either as a creative or as a consultant or, or a creator, regularly comes up every time you try and push through a barrier, imposter syndrome is there guarding the gate. So I do want to spend some time on that. But one of the reasons I was particularly intrigued to speak to you is I know that you're a member of the Atomic community. You're also involved with Chris Tucker's Upreneur world. And for an HR firm, that's quite unusual. So I'm curious to hear from you. What has been your story with trying to build your business, your brand online? And how does that look from what, from in many respects, looks like quite a traditional business? Mm. Well, I came into business in 2013 and I started um, my business on my own um, with very little preparation, if I'm, if I'm honest with you. Um, and I came out of mainstream HR. I had over 20 years experience in HR and worked my way up to the top. Um, and to be quite honest, um, I got a little bit disillusioned at the amount of time I was spending on grievances, disciplinaries and staffing issues rather than developing the business, 
through our people and doing the strategic organisation development aspects. So thinking about leaving or taking the leap um, to new employment and be self-employed in that direction, I, I thought, hmm, why do I want to do this? And the reason I wanted to do it was to get away from the day-to-day -day operational HR. And um, that led me to to think, right, how am I going to achieve this? Because I've got to get myself out there um, for the bigger businesses who want to look at the strategic side, the behavioural side. And my passion at, at that time was it, it was partly fueled by the fact I'd done a research project into the impact of organisational culture on mental health and how people sometimes get held hostage and become very ill because they can't leave organisations um, because they're stuck through almost being institutionalised. So I knew I wanted to work with the bigger businesses but being an in-house HR person for um, over 20 years it was how do I get into, into those businesses just starting up. So like every HR person who sets up in business um, I went back to the operational um, stuff to, to get um, established but I quickly got into networking circles and realised the errors that some people were making, the things that frustrated me, the, I'm sure you've been to them as well Bob, where they um, thrust a card in front of you and expect you to do business with them and I just didn't really like that for me it was all about building trust and trying to establish myself and I also realized very quickly that the businesses I was trying to target don't actually go to small business networking groups so I had to quickly change my um, style of networking, if you like, and go to places like the Institute of um, Directors. I joined the Chamber of Commerce. I joined some bigger business type networks and um, I, I started to, to mix with people and get some associate work for bigger companies. And then um, through Andrew and Pete and Atomicon, I was with them from the, the very start um, when they, I was probably one of their first members, um, I suddenly got a tr this whole new attraction to marketing, building trust, content marketing. So I went to every Atomic event, I was online and then I got into the Kent, uh, Content Marketing Academy in Edinburgh. I was introduced to that by one of my uh, peers here in the Northeast and really quickly learned about establishing trust um, and getting your style out there. And this links into some of my, my imposter syndrome um, work. It's about knowing that there's enough work out there for all of us. Um, so even mixing with the HR professionals because we can actually collaborate really well but also knowing that we have a style so I'm naturally quite creative I am not your corporate um, I, I class myself as spirit of the law rather than letter of the law so you get a little bit of quirkiness a bit of energy from me in my um, sessions so I accept openly that I won't be every organization's cup of tea as a trainer, mentor, coach or even advisor. So I started to write in my own voice and again like everybody else who starts in business 
I um, that first blog I remember it vividly hovering over the key to press the go live button um, absolutely terrified of what people might think of me whether I had any spelling mistakes what my grammar was like all of those things that everybody has but I just started to, to mix in the circles where people are like-minded and really want to grow and develop and are, are really serious about their businesses and are willing to invest in themselves so again this our strap line of where business and people come to take off it is about people who will really invest in themselves and their own development um, they're the people that we want to work with because we are natural collaborators we're really good at signposting our lateral thinking around business development is really good so you get I know this is a bit of a cliche but you get 110% of us because we one of our our big values is that we think ourselves into your business so we invest a lot um, in our clients and all we ask is that they invest in themselves and in their business so mm. um you know chris ducker fits perfectly into that for me i love following chris uh, listening to his podcast going to his events um atomicon andrew and pete watching their journey being part of their journey you know those are the people that um i connect with really well and have then become clients and um really good colleagues and peers that i can I can share because obviously self and self-employment can be a lonely business as well it generally is <laughs> so one of the things i wanted to ask you because you mentioned the cma and chris mart did an amazing job with the cma and born out of the cma are some of the most amazing content marketers i've ever seen and one thing i'm curious about you as an hr company is what does your content mix look like um, we write blogs, we do little mini videos. Um, I have to confess, we are not as consistent as, as we should be. I don't think anybody um, is. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, but again, building up your reputation um, and building up trust, we try to give as much advice, information as we can. So we write about a lot of different topics um and we do events i speak quite a lot at of events um i'm speaking on saturday at a um a change camp event around imposter syndrome um do a lot of free stuff around that as well as paid stuff so so yeah we get ourselves out the free stuff i see as part of my content marketing to to get myself out there um and people to see me as well as well as read um what we put out online and see us on video I think as well speaking, we don't instinctively think of that as part of content or content marketing, but it absolutely is. I think one of the things that I often say to customers, contacts, clients, whatever, is that you need a short term digital strategy, which is largely based around ads, a medium term, which is around content and content marketing. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that's where they stop. But at the long term strategy is typically around things like speaking, blogging, podcasting, YouTube channels, because these are the things that really separate you from your competitors and also build authority. And I think investing heavily in the speaking, if you're confident, and we're going to come to that, is a brilliant investment. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So you do corporate work, but you're also working with 
very small businesses. And one of the things that really drew my attention on your website was when you were talking about helping people get unstuck. I think almost everybody listening will probably recognize that most people peak. They reach the edge of their comfort zone and then there's a little bit of resistance there. And people are accustomed and comfortable with different levels of risk in different areas of their life. I would like to explore that stuckness with you. And as somebody who spends their time, a lot of the time with people who are stuck, either in behaviors or in business or or anywhere, mm. what are the commonalities that you find around that issue of stuckness? I think I can describe it in one word, overwhelm. Um, I think we're operating in a very fast-paced world, whether we're in employment or self-employed, and we sometimes just, it, it, life seems to be passing us by and we, we become overwhelmed with that to-do list or there's too much on the agenda or I'm stuck in this place. Um, I'm stuck, I thought I'd reach my comfort zone, so I've stayed in that for, for a, a long time and now I don't know how to get out of it. A um, couple of, of things that comes from that. You you work with, with people and it's all about um, self-awareness for us. We Everything we do starts with self-awareness. Um, I have a, a planned approach to working with my clients, which when it's confidence issues or being stuck, we look at their self first. So it's your nature, who you are. Um, we then look at, at nurture, you know, what sort of things have influenced you in early years, what conditioning and values have come from that. And then the environment you're in, because I'm sure you've experienced this as well, you can thrive in certain environments, but you can actually go off the rails in certain environments. I've met people years later who I've had to exit from an organisation um, as a HR lead and they're totally different people. It was the organisation that contributed to those very strange behaviours because we have psychological responses to our environment as well. So strictly speaking, you in terms of, of your role, you could all we could say Bob can do that anywhere. Beverly, in terms of her HR role, she could do that anywhere because it's it's about a profession and everybody needs it. But actually it isn't. It's about culture, behaviours, values, and we don't all fit. We don't all naturally fit in every environment. So I know I don't fit in a bureaucratic environment um, where everything's laid down for me. I need to be able to express my creativity. I've, I need to explore ideas and I need to do things that fit in with my values, but also um, the direction of the business and the level of ambition. I'm an ambitious person. so. I like to work for ambitious organisations as well. So I won't necessarily fit um, in certain organisations. And again, this comes back to what we were talking about with content marketing. It's about differentiating yourself um, so that we don't go down a route with clients that um, we, we think, oh, I'm in, this, in with this client, but actually I can't work with them. It's really difficult because through the way I write and the things we put out, I like to think that we, we show our true selves 
um, so that people will actually either say, yes, I really want to work with Launchpad Associates or, oh no, they're definitely not for me. Um, so that's part of it, having the courage in your business to, um, to differentiate yourself and to say no. So not worrying, a, a lot of us in, in um, business are worried about where the next um, client is going to come from, um, but just be freeing ourselves up to say, I'm not for everybody is so liberating for a lot of my clients. Um, other times, some people get really involved with a, a particular client and then that impacts on their their confidence because they've been in with that client for quite a long time and they're seeking, they, they tend to go in for long-term projects because they need that validation and that, oh, I really need to show I've got longevity with a client and sometimes they've then lost the rest of their business and they come back to us and say, I don't know what I'm doing with my business. I don't want to work with that client anymore. I can't work with that client anymore. And I've lost my business and I've lost all my confidence because I've been in the same place for a long time. So again, it's about losing your way, overwhelm. I've got people who are really keen to progress in business, but are really struggling and overwhelmed with all of the support networks that they're participating in and through understanding themselves and working with them. I use I3 profiling as a tool um, and that not only looks at your strengths but it also looks at where you're most productive and I, I usually start my sessions with that and then we go into coaching and mentoring um, but one of the individuals I'm particularly thinking about, um, they are overwhelmed by all of this brilliant support they're getting and loads of ideas, but actually they're very short-term focused. When we've worked through it, they need bite-sized chunks to act upon and then move to the next level each time. So again, overwhelm. And so that, that for me is the, the main commonality because it impacts massively on your confidence. I think the personality profiling is something that a lot of people might get quite anxious about mm. and I profiled myself recently and there are lots of different ways that you can profile yourself lots of different tools the one mm. I use for me it, the results that I got back from that it's a bit of a cliche to say focus on your strengths but there are things in my life that I I knew I was kind of good at things I didn't think I was that good at mm -hmm. but to actually have somebody point out these are the things you're brilliant at to the extent where they're potentially your superpower. Yeah. And then there is these other things that people who have those strengths we know they're not good at mm -hmm. gave me such permission to focus on those things that were my superpowers. Yeah. It's brilliant. In a way that I really hadn't expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, because the tool I use, it's a very short report because the value in it is the feedback and the coaching session. So um, it's the the way we we discuss it with our clients is that there are things we do um consciously and the things we do subconsciously the things that we do subconsciously are the things that come most naturally to us and therefore take less energy so it's not that you can't do the other things it's you've got to put more effort and energy into it and it's more difficult for us and that impacts on us psychologically um, so we work on, the, the way I structure my reports for my clients is we, we, we really focus on the, the strengths. Then we look at the awarenesses. What does, because every strength actually has a counterbalance. So I'm 
really chatty, really lively. But actually, the counterbalance to that is I might not be the best listener in the world. Or I may be really compassionate, have a lot of empathy. But the counterbalance to that is I may not actually speak my mind through fear of offending people. So we, we build that into our awarenesses. But then the things that we know that come less naturally to us, we, we phrase that as partnering opportunities. So the the way I write my reports for, for my clients is saying, these are the things that um, don't come as naturally to you. But if you were working on certain projects, so for example, someone who in my language is low promoting, which is less vocal than the rest of us, um, they don't are not natural sellers. They're not natural at getting engagement and buy-in. So what I'd be saying to that person is your partnering opportunity is to improve your outputs or get buy-in for projects that you're leading on work with someone else who can sell your ideas and really motivate people to engage um, and then we we do a an overarching motivation statement that really beefs people up so um that's our very very first starting point and um it's the tool i use is trait based i don't know how much you do know about um not much about these psychometric tests, personality profiles, whatever you like to talk about. But some of them are type-based, which is things like MBTI, DISC, Insights. So they group you into, um, so for example, you might be an ENTJ in in Myers-Briggs. These are actually individual traits. So it acknowledges that everyone's unique. We all have our own strengths. And um, we all are productive and can work in different ways in different organizations. I think for me, a lot of the time, and you're absolutely right in everything you said, I agree 100%. But one of the most powerful things for me is we all have role models, people out there that we're supposed to emulate (laughs) unconsciously. And that often reflects a very small subset of personality type. Yeah. And you speak about overwhelm, and it's almost an unconscious psychic overwhelm that I need to be like that. Mm-hmm. So in, in my industry, the role models are Gary Vaynerchuk, Chris Ducker. They're particular personality types. Mm-hmm. And if I'm trying to be that, I am going to have an uphill battle all the time. And it's going to create resistance and overwhelm and stress. Whereas if I really focus on being actually myself, but bigger, there's no resistance, there's no overwhelm, mm-hmm. and actually people respond to it much, much better. And for me, that was entirely liberating. Yeah. And I can imagine how that feels in any workplace, if yeah. you've been busy trying to pretend to be somebody else, not understanding that this guy you are is also amazing, so go big on that. Yeah, yeah, it's about, you want to be the best that you can be, so why would you spend 90% of your time working on the things you can't do and only 10% of your time improving the things that you're absolutely great at. Mm. It, it, when you put it like that, it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah. But it's it's really interesting what what you say because I work with with people on self-awareness at three three levels. And when you're saying trying to be someone else, if you'd started the podcast in the same same way as Chris Ducker does um, partly 
this this is an audio podcast so um it wouldn't have the same impact as if you were you were doing it on a video podcast but you would leak at one of my mantras that i use for um in my sessions with people is people leak so when you say to someone if you're in a, a group whether it's socially in the workplace networking when you say there's just something not right about that person and i'm sure we've all said it about somebody there's just something i just can't put my finger on it i'm not sure what what it is it's because we all leak first of all you wouldn't be able to keep up the energy of chris ducker um that that he's got because you you are a much more calm and speaker you know if you tried to do that you would fall down so it's about <laughs> being real um and being you've got you've got a lovely gentle tone and it's about um capitalizing on that not trying to be all the rah rah of of chris uh, ducker or gary venichuk because that's not who you are and i, I know you, chris listens to the show so i'm sorry chris <laughs> No, he doesn't really. <laughs> but I need to pretend yeah. he does. Yeah, but again, that you you would leak, you would you would fall down, and that is uh, people talk talk about authenticity a lot, and I think it's a bit of an overused word. It's about being real and celebrating who you are. Keep it real. Now this really takes me on to my real hobby horse, which is confidence in content marketing, and the one thing that regularly crops up is imposter syndrome mm -hmm. as soon as you start thinking about pulling the trigger on that piece of content whether it is as simple as a blog post and I remember when I published my first blog post I thought the world was going to come crashing down <laughs> yeah and then it might be a podcast which again when I started the podcast I was terrified it might be introducing yourself into video marketing that's my big issue right now mm. imposter syndrome raises his head at every single step and I have developed a philosophy that if you're not experiencing imposter syndrome you're probably not trying in life nevertheless I really find it painful I'm sure everybody does if you are at the edge of your comfort zone imposter syndrome is going to be there with you mm -hmm. so what strategies do you have for mitigating that working through it whatever it is that we need to do with it in order that it doesn't become a barrier there's one thing that I would say is a little bit uh, that doesn't agree with what you you've just said. I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> we've we talk about and and I know I listened to um, Claire Yoss's um, interview with you a few months ago, um, and totally agree with the different types of imposter that we get with the expert, the genius, the perfectionist, all of, all of that sort of thing, the superhero. One of the key things that that I would add to that is um, people who. Are really passionate and enthusiastic and won't say no to anything um, that can cause imposter syndrome as well because you say yes and then you spend so much time worrying about it afterwards and thinking oh my god why did I say yes to that I've got no experience of it have I really got experience and then you have that inner dialogue that's you're not good enough why did you say yes how stupid you're going to be all of that sort of thing so there is an added dimension where people do push themselves too far and then make themselves ill in the run-up to delivering what they've agreed yeah. to do. So, so yeah, so that, that's one extra thing. Um, one of the things I was going to say to you about self-awareness um, before, and I got sidetracked onto people leaking, um, was that for me, I always start with people on 
the three levels of self-awareness or the three phases to get ultimately to self-awareness so it's about knowing yourself so I call that my self-identification phase which is where you know certain things about yourselves you know why you behave in a certain way you know certain people you connect with certain people you don't but you don't necessarily know why and then that progresses through self-development to what I call self-regulation which is things like they understand their behavior and they know the impact they're having on other people so they know that if they're particularly in extrovert introverts might step back when they come into the room that sort of thing they're, they've observed the impact they have on other people and then they they're able to control their emotions and respond differently in different circumstances with with different audiences and it's only then that we start to get into the self-awareness phase um, where you really truly know yourself you understand yourself and the impact on others you've regulated that behavior and um, because you try you then know that actually by regulating your behavior you have you can maximize your impact and influence in those circles and then the ultimate of self-awareness for me is that you're confident you're so confident about who you are you stop pretending to be someone else because you're able to own your strengths and weaknesses you're able to say that's just not me but I know someone who can who'd be really great at that um, I'm a real great seller I'm great on content marketing but actually project management's not my bag but I can if you want to bring a team together I can help you do that so it's about saying I'm not particularly good at, at this and really being able to say that because you then know that you're a real person and that you you are truly self-aware because you've got the confidence to own what you class as your weaknesses so for me I'm my detail is absolutely oh I'm what the worst detail person ever so I will say to people if you want me to take action either put it in the subject line if it's an email or certainly put it in the first paragraph because if it's a lengthy email or a, a report I'll, I'll I go into scan mode so I'm quite comfortable I don't be I used to spend hours rereading and rereading over and over to make sure I hadn't missed something because I, I had a fear of telling people that my attention to detail wasn't fantastic but mm. now I, I own that and I'm you know I, I know I have strengths in other areas I'm just not someone who likes to read reams and reams of, of material and I can own that now so that's where we, we always start get to a point where you know yourself enough to be honest with yourself first and that starts to build confidence that you can put yourself out there as the real you and you're confident enough to buy into the things that you you're really good at but actually withdraw from the things that you're not and not fear being judged yeah i think that fear of judgment is always there and i think once you do become confident with who you are with your strengths and your weaknesses it is it's really very liberating in a way that i can't quite express mm. so in terms of all the, the personality tests that there are online the, the free ones that you can take is there one that you would point people towards as this one if you simply want a sort of superficial indication 
this is one you should look at? I think for impact and influence and communication, which is something that is probably one of the things that we do lose confidence in, I would I would use DISC. And um, there is a free resource on um, the Coaching Academy, um, Bev James's site. Um, and that that's pretty good and it's fairly accurate. Um, it, do, it is a type-based one, but um, it's scientifically proven um, to be 95% accurate as a tool in itself. Um, but obviously we don't offer a, a free one in the in the tool that I use, but that's that's the only other one that I would say is the next best for, for me. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I guess rolling back to imposter syndrome then, what might be a few cards people could play, psychological hacks, I guess, There's to recognize it and then possibly mitigate it? Yeah. So it, it's, the, it's that message, isn't it? It's, are you saying to yourself, um, well, first of all, is it self-doubt or is it imposter syndrome? Because there, there is a difference. You know, it's self-doubt is just questioning and wondering about your ability. Um, can I do this or can't I? Imposter syndrome is about what you really believe about yourself. So it's the things like, I'm not good enough. People will think I'm a fraud. Um, if I speak, everybody thinks I speak gobbledygook. I don't make um, as much sense as the person sitting next to me. So I'm not gonna say anything. So these are the thought processes we have about ourselves. And for me, the it's taken that a step back as to, asking yourself what what are the messages and maybe having that little notepad um i know a lot of people these days journal having that little notepad and every time that that thought comes into your head write it down so we decide what that belief about ourselves is and then start thinking well where where did that come from because before you get to your imposter i i my model runs in that we we have to look at our inner critic first and our inner critic comes from the four areas that that I uh, referred to before which is your nature nurture environment and experiences um, so sometimes we're predisposed to it so it might be that we're genuinely a glass half empty person um, we might be very self-critical because we're a perfectionist we might have a fear of being ourselves um, because we're frightened of hurting other people. Um, we might rely so much on information and evidence to make decisions that we hold ourselves back because we don't feel as if we've got the right knowledge. And that comes from our natural personality. But then we've got the nurture, the things that were said to us as, as young people in our early lives so it could have been a teacher it could have been a scout leader it could have been our parents everybody who's had that influence in us what what was said was it what did every school report say beverly lacks confidence beverly's handwriting is is really poor you know what what beliefs were manifested in those early years of nurture and then what environments we've thrived in and when we're not doing so well and then what lessons we've learned along the way and that all starts to form our inner critic so it's it's not when we're talking about imposter syndrome the inner critic is feeding that imposter to say you're a fraud you're not clever enough 
but actually it's the messages we've we've brought along with us throughout life which is which forms the inner critic that feeds the imposter so it could be that somebody said don't bob don't go self-employed it's a recession you will never make it um and you've 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 thought of that and then the imposter's telling you oh god you can't do that because you'll never make it i'm never going to make it but actually it doesn't go back to oh when i was sitting with my resignation in my hand my boss said to me bob don't do it because you're never going to make it there's a recession on you don't actually consciously remember that you remember that you're never going to make it and that's because the inner critic has fed that message to your imposter does that make sense no, that makes perfect sense. And I won't tell you what my school reports said. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, actually, there's, there's truth in mind. I did get Beverly Lacks confidence. Um, and I did get... Uh, my handwriting is still awful. And that's that's not imposter syndrome. But that is fact. <laughs> it is awful. But, um, yeah. So it, it it's about... Um, then, once we get to that, who was our inner critic? What are those voices? What were those things that were said to us or those experiences we've had that have shaped our imposter actually you can work with those to to have you your slayer as i call my my slayer to saboteurs you can get rid of both your your imposter and your saboteur by i've created mine mine's called angel magda and they are two people that significantly when I've done my self-work um, they're two people that I want to go back and say actually I am confident and um, I really do know my stuff and I have made a business work in a recession you know all of those things so you can actually use the inner critic starts off in our lives as, as a real negative but once we really address where those messages are coming from to um, to bring that imposter sitting on our shoulder or, or sitting in our our gut or wherever your imposter sits when they're prodding you to say um, you're not worthy or you're a fraud, you can actually turn that into a positive. And once I've, because I work creatively, as I've said before, I've actually got a little doll of my angel Magda, my inner critic. I've also got Murd Van Maliciphant, who's my imposter, <laughs> and actually my saboteur slayer is called Marcia Von Gain. Um, and I've worked with those things to actually, I now use that inner critic to slay my imposter with, with my saboteur slayer to look at. Um, actually, I told you so. Look at what I'm doing. So I reframe it whenever I hear that little voice in my head, as I did this morning, knowing I'm coming on your show, thinking, oh, <laughs> what, what on earth am I going to talk to Bob about today? Um, you know, you think, actually, I know stuff. I've got <laughs> yeah. all those years behind me and I know and I I have my own stamp on it, imposter syndrome and inner critic. I have my own stamp on helping people progress to the next level. Um, and yeah, I, I can do that. So get back in your box, Angel Magda, and murder don't even um, emerge because Angel Magda's got nothing to tell you today. I I love that. And I think they're, they're, they're sort of, they spring to mind a couple of things that I've been told along the way as well. Because imposter syndrome for me, as soon as you're building any kind of profile online, if you're in any way human, and if you're like me in particular, it's, it's just ever present. Yeah. And 
one thing I don't know if you said it on the podcast or if this was in a chat offline but it was Ian Anderson Gray said and if you don't know Ian yeah, the do. listener yeah. his business is live video um, online so live video is quite intimidating for a lot of people and one of the pieces of advice he gave me was we're all very accustomed to listening to, to, to the critics mm. but we're not really that well attuned to our cheerleaders so actually keeping a journal of the nice things people have said about what you're doing yeah. can be very very helpful because you won't remember them otherwise yeah. you need to capture them and they very quickly build up to a powerful resource yeah. and another thing that's really helped me with imposter syndrome and in lots of other areas of my life is I don't know if you've come across Todd Herman's alter ego yeah, effect. Yeah, I love it. it. That is quite very closely yeah. aligned to what you were talking yeah. about there. Yeah. And I mean, so. in the work that, that we do, it's I start off with, well, what's brought you here? Or why am I coming into your organisation? What, what do you want from us? And so we have that very initial chat around um, what's going wrong, effectively, because that's that's why people come to, to, to us essentially um, and then it's all about right if, certainly when I'm working with individuals with confidence issues it'll be right so what gets you out of bed on a morning what's your passion um, and we start to look at where, how, that, how that's developed over the years and then so when did you feel at your best what organisation were you in what were you doing and we build up a real positive picture and from that I can pick out although I'll have already done an I3 profile with them I can pick out their strengths I can pick out what motivates and what drives them and we start to rebuild that passion and we build confidence through passion and through their strengths so it's very little time spent dwelling we don't do any dwelling on the past or um, you know what's going wrong it's all about you know what is it that really makes you have a spring in your step no i love that so we are at 40 odd minutes mm -hmm. it's probably time to start thinking about wrapping things up but i know you're going to be speaking at the atomicon conference and if this comes out when i imagine it'll come out that's in just under a month so how can people come and see you speak there I'll let you maybe tell people what about Atomic. I know a lot of listeners will be there, but there were a lot of listeners going, what the hell's Atomicon? <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, Atomicon is in Newcastle, or it's actually technically speaking in Gateshead, but most people know Newcastle um, as a landmark um, better. And it's in one of our most prestigious uh, buildings. It's in the Sage in, in Gateshead. Um, and that's on, on the 28th of April. And um, Andrew and Pete from uh, who run Atomicon um, have got some absolutely amazing speakers and pe people are coming from all over the world. But what they've decided to do, because there's going to be a, a community in the northeast from the weekend um, prior to the 28th of April, which is when Atomicon's on, um, they decided to put a fringe event on. Um, so on Monday the 27th, I'm one of the, the fringe acts, if you like, um, <laughs> and I'm doing imposter syndrome um, 
at a, a venue that's very close to the surge in, in Gateshead. So doing an introduction where people can start to make the connections with everything that I've said today effectively, you know, starting that journey of self-awareness, looking at some key messages that um, people have said um, to them in various environments but also messages that we're we're giving ourselves regularly because I, I certainly run on the the premise that sometimes we wouldn't speak to other people the way that we we speak to ourselves we wouldn't criticize ourselves in the way that we we criticize um sorry we wouldn't um criticize others the way we criticize ourselves so um we'll be doing quite a bit of that it's only a two and a half hour slot um but we will be having a, a taster of um of of what influences imposter syndrome and given some tools and tips to help people move forward. And I think Andrew and Pete would almost certainly welcome some more bums on seats. Mm. And I think given the situation with coronavirus, yeah. I know lots of Americans are probably cancelling as we speak, given the travel ban that's impending. So although I think they, the tickets are generally through the Atomic membership they now, are. I'm quite sure you can still buy a ticket you can buy a ticket and um if you go on to andrewandpete.com that will take you through to the atomicom website and on there is the fringe events and you can book all of the fringe events and if you're interested in imposter syndrome i'm doing the afternoon slot um so yeah certainly come and join me um and access that through andrewandpete.com i will be there in the front row <laughs> fantastic Beverly, if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? It's probably best to connect with me on LinkedIn. And so I am just Beverly Sherritt on LinkedIn. If there's um, a worry about the spelling um, where you don't get hold of me, it's L-Y, not L-E-Y for, for Beverly. Um, I, I don't have the common spelling of, of Beverly, unfortunately. So um, I sometimes get uh, people don't get in contact with me. And I nearly forgot my signature question <laughs> so I guess what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago well I've got two things if if you like you're allowed <laughs> one is um putting all of my content publishing into a VA so that we start to create more consistency um, so we've got an absolutely marvellous VA um, called Nicola Burt Skinner, who does all of our um, graphics and posting. And the other is one of the key things that I always tell people who, who start in business when they ask is for the first two and a half years of business, because of the background I've got, I kept saying to myself, oh, if this doesn't work out, um, I'll, I'll go as an interim. I knew I didn't want to go back in-house, but I thought, oh, I'll easily be able to sign up as an interim and I'll become uh, a professional interim if this doesn't work out. The minute I stopped, well, the minute I look, took a look at my, my business and said, oh, my God, I'm two and a half years in, I suddenly thought, actually, this is working. I'm making money. I've got some brilliant clients. I love what I'm doing. Forget about the interim. It, so for me, it would be going it a hundred percent with the attitude that it's going to work be a hundred percent confident and don't give yourself that get out clause of if this doesn't work i can because my business took off significantly as, as soon as i stopped giving myself that message that's a really good answer 
Beverly Sherritt, you have been a fantastic guest. I look forward to seeing you in a month or so. Great. And thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Authenticity is an overused idea, but being comfortable with being yourself, with your strengths and your weakness, is the foundation of mental toughness. And mental toughness is ultimately what you're going to need to live a life on the edge of your comfort zone. This is where personal growth happens, and it's where real business growth happens. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you can, if you haven't, join our Facebook group. You can find a link in the show notes or just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. You'll find me everywhere you hang out at Bob Gentle. And if you do, then just message me and let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. And I don't exaggerate it. I love it when you do it. My name is Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Beverly for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.